Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jedekin. Let's start up the show by thanking Patreon contributors. They donated over at patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This week we had Claire, Jennifer, Jill, Amy, Cherie, Kaylee, Kelly, Jill, Kate, Kelly, Helen, Leslie, Derek, Jennifer, Janelle, Sarah, and Bree. Thanks, guys. Thank you guys so much. Okay, guys. This week is going to be part one of a two-part series on the Lamb Funeral Home. Okay. This was a funeral home that had been around in Los Angeles for a very long time, and it is no longer in existence as far as I know, and we're about to find out why. Now, my primary source for this episode is a book by Ken Englade called A Family Business, A Chilling Tale of Greed as One Family Commits Unspeakable Crimes Against the Dead. (laughs) This is a great book. It has a lot of great information. That's why I had to make this episode a two-parter because sometimes there's so much information in a story. You're like, I can't. Like when there's a lot of juicy details. There's a lot of juicy details. I tweeted yesterday. I said that several characters in this case are described as beefy. Oh, right. <laughs> which I think already I'm intrigued. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why. Every, like newspaper, like I also use newspaper articles for my research and newspaper articles to describe them as beefy. This guy in the book describes them as beefy. <laughs> I'm going to have to take their word for it. Yeah. Kind of want a taco right now from Del Taco. Beefy. Like it kind of made me hungry. Yeah. The so, bell beefer. The, oh my God, the bell beefer. Okay, so let's start. In 1929, Charles F. Lamb founded the Lamb Funeral Home in Pasadena, California. The building sat on Orange Grove Boulevard and was Spanish mission style. Mm. Lamb also owned and operated a crematorium in Altadena, which is, that's south of Pasadena. No, it's north. Okay, it's north yeah. of Pasadena. Uh, and it's close by. They're right, right next to each other. Yeah. yeah. I know exactly where this is. Oh, I you live do? pretty close to here. Oh. Well, Eagle Rock is pretty close to Pasadena. Yeah. And Orange Grove is like the first main street. So of Pasadena. you know this street. I do. Okay. I could drive by this location. I you know what? See what's there right okay. now. Okay. Uh so this crematorium was actually built in 1895, and it was the oldest crematorium on the West Coast. Ooh. Charles Lamb came to Los Angeles from Kansas, where he had owned and operated another funeral home. He would leave that business to his oldest son, Harold, when he moved out west. 
Charles Lamb found great success in Los Angeles. He became president of the California Funeral Directors Association, and when he retired, he passed his funeral home business down to his sons, Lawrence and John. Lawrence Lamb became the sole operator of the funeral home when his brother retired. Like his father, Lawrence was also very successful running this business. He was elected president of the Pasadena School Board for two terms. He was the chairman of the building committee of the Tremont Baptist Church. He was a member of the Tournament of Roses Association. What is that? That's the people who put on the the parade. Oh, those are the Rose Parade people? Mm -hmm. Okay. So this guy is like... Has a lot of different local titles. Yeah. This family is... It sounds like a big Pasadena family. They are absolutely a big Pasadena family. They're well-known in their community. Um, And he's, you know, keeping his father's funeral home business thriving. Him and his wife, Lucille, had four children, two boys and two girls. Out of the four children, it was his daughter, Lorianne, that took an interest in pursuing a career in the family business. Now, Lori Ann Lamb was a very good Christian girl. And was she? <laughs> <laughs> and very well respected in the community. Mm-hmm. She played organ at the Lori Ann Avenue. Oh, Lorraine. I was like, no, she not lived Lori- on Lori Ann no, Avenue. No, <laughs> she lived at Lorraine. Sorry. Do you, know where, do you know Lorraine Avenue? I don't. Okay. She played organ at the Lorraine Avenue Baptist Church. Okay. She even had her own gospel singing group called the Chapel Bells. Ooh. So she's really big into Christianity. Sounds like it. Lorianne was known at the mortuary for her ability to console family members of the deceased. She had this way of comforting family members with her soothing, gentle voice and her kind words and like her real, like, just good Christian girl sense of, like, she could help these families. Transition. With the transition. Not only did she offer her consolations, Lorianne also helped the funeral home's deceased clients look their best. She was in charge of applying the makeup to them after they had been embalmed. That's so Christian too, right? Like, I'm going to fix them up. (laughs) I'm going to apply a nice coral blush. (laughs) Lots of coral. Lots of coral. Blue eyeliner. blue A blue eyeliner underneath on the lower lid. No matter how old you are or how young you are, you get the blue eyeliner, the navy blue under the lower lid, a coral blush, and a very, and a pearlescent uh, peachy coral lipstick. Yes, slightly lighter than the blush. Slightly lighter. You don't want to look like a tart. <laughs> I got to say, Desi, when I went to the Museum of Death in Hollywood a couple years ago, my favorite part of that museum was watching all the embalming stuff. Like they had a video of uh, like a uh, embalming process. And then they had like various uh, embalming paraphernalia in that section. This is why I'm shocked you haven't watched Six Feet Under yet. Because they show a lot of those processes. Oh. I think it's fascinating. Yeah. They show like them doing the makeup and doing the embalming and like all of those processes a lot. Like they'll be having scenes while they're like in the process of doing that stuff. I think it's really interesting. Like I never was one of those people that's like, I want to be a mortician when I grow up because I don't think I have the stomach for it. But I am also at the same time fascinated by the process. It's always an interesting uh, thing to learn where someone is a mortician. 
Always. Because it's just like, oh, <laughs> like it can change ex- like the perception of that person 100%. Well, you always, yeah. you always have like 10 more questions after that. Yeah. And it's always like the most unassuming person. Always. Yeah. I would like to know if we have any mortician listeners or Ooh. if your family member was a mortician, please write into the show. Yeah, I would like to hear that. That'd be fun to tell some stories maybe for this week's mini episode. Yeah, yeah. If you got any good mortician stories, I'd love to hear it. Okay, so that was Lorianne's job. After high school, Lorianne met Jerry Sconce at Sunday school. Oh. Jerry was a 200-pound man with blonde hair and blue eyes who played football at UC Santa Barbara. Her father did not like Jerry, but the two got married anyway as soon as Jerry finished school. So he was like 21 when okay. they got married and she was like 18 or 19. They were very a very young married couple. Lawrence Lamb thought Jerry Sconce was a total fucking loser. Wow. In 1956, the young couple had a son together named David. A few years later, they had another son named Gary. The Sconces were all were an all-American Christian family. They were so all-American that they were asked to pose for a Maytag washer ad. Wow. Like it was like the four of them posed in front okay. of their washer dryer, I guess. Jerry Sconce went on to become the football coach at the Evangelical Christian College Azusa Pacific. Okay. David Wayne Sconce, their son, was described as having surfer blonde hair and blue eyes, just like Paul Newman's. I beg to I differ. Bet it's not I just, bet it's not. I you bet know it's what? just not like Paul Newman. <laughs> so or we would know who he was. We would know. He would be a famous hot criminal. <laughs> just if, like if, Paul Newman. If you look just like. That's like what a grandma says. <laughs> and everyone's like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> look, I've seen his picture. Look, Paul Newman is one of a kind, good yeah, looking. Like yeah. it's you, you can't. I'm sorry. No, but but that is a very like older person. Oh, you're yeah. just as handsome Ooh, as just like by two features. You have blue eyes like Paul Newman, <laughs> <laughs> and they look like like Barney Rubble. <laughs> Do you think ever anyone any like older person in Jeffrey Dahmer's life ever told him he looked like Paul Newman? I would not be surprised. Yeah, yeah. So like his father, Jerry, David was athletic. He played football in school and was on the track team. He went on to play football at Azusa where his father was coach. His dream was to go pro, but during his time as a football player at the college, the team absolutely sucked ass. So David's dreams of becoming a professional football player were over, and Jerry's career as a coach at the school was too. That's how poorly they did. After he left his position as coach, Jerry opened a sporting goods store. David Sconce was a little shit, (gasps) Desi. Him and his little friends used to drive around the neighborhood, and this was when they were in college. They would drive around the neighborhood and pelt people with raw eggs. But that wasn't even the worst of it. David also liked to drive to Skid Row downtown to beat up homeless people for fun. What the F? Psychopath. That's psychotic. Evil. That's, yeah. E- absolutely evil. Wait, is that, what is the two sons' name? David and Gary. Yeah. Okay. But we're only going to talk about David. So he's the older one. Yes. Okay. Uh, then he would come back and joke about it with his friends. Like he would laugh Ugh. about it. Like this, like it was something to brag about. Disgusting. When David's girlfriend broke up with him, he did not take this news well. What? <laughs> 
So he decided to break into the family home, and he did this twice. He broke into her family's home. Wow. The second break-in he did on Christmas Eve while his ex and her family were attending the midnight church service. (gasps) Not on Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) Dawn. David, not on Christmas. Uh, So... They're attending this midnight church service. David breaks into their house, and he stole $2,500 worth of stereo equipment. And then after he stole that... I'm just laughing because that's so 80s to have that much stereo Oh, yeah. Totally. <laughs> like 20... And you know, it was like these massive wood Huge. speakers. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you about the speakers we had in my house growing up. They were fucking... Gi- Look, I think we still have them. They were fucking gigantic. It was way too much equipment. It was like a... Speakers used to be like a piece of furniture. Yes. Yes. So he steals all the stereo equipment. Then after he steals it, he goes to the church where (gasps) the family is, and he sits down next to her and her family. That's creepy. Yeah. It was like a power move for him. When he was busted, he busted out the white girl tears to the police. Like, he sobbed to them, and he was like, I didn't mean it. I was heartbroken. Yeah, he said that. (laughs) He was like, I'm a sad ex-boyfriend. And of course, the cops were like, okay, son. They totally sided with him. And he was only charged with a misdemeanor and no jail time. Uh, This would have been like a felony. Yeah. He didn't get jail time. He served one year of probation and had to pay a fine. Give them jail time early. (laughs) (laughs) After this incident, David dropped out of school. In 1982, David worked at his father's sporting goods store, but that business went under soon after. David blamed the store's closing on another business owner. It couldn't possibly have been because his father had absolutely no previous business experience. This is so familiar to me. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Now, uh, Jerry then began to take on a bigger role at the Lamb Funeral Home since he had this free time from not running the sporting goods store. And David worked a series of jobs, including as a dealer at a casino. At one point, he tried to become a cop, but (laughs) (laughs) always the classic. This guy wants a badge and a gun. He tried to become a cop, but he couldn't only because he failed the vision test. The vision test? He he was colorblind, I guess, or like in the test he was. So that was the only reason. Like he passed all these other rounds. Yeah. Uh, by 1982, Jerry urged David to take on a more prominent role in the family business by getting his embalming license. Ugh, I don't want him doing that either. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, what do we want this guy doing? I don't know. But I don't, none of these things. I don't want him serving me food. I don't want him babysitting my children. Just maybe an angry podcast or something. You know what? Like he a, has a career as an angry podcaster. Yeah. Embal- like imagine him doing anything with embalming just sounds awful to me. I don't trust him. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. So while David was taking classes to learn how to do embalming, he worked part-time at the funeral home transporting bodies from the funeral home or the or to the crematorium. Cremation had become considerably more popular in the 70s and by the 80s, 34% of bodies were being cremated in California. Wow. So I found it remarkable like that there was like they had this cremation crematorium since 1895 like it really was the oldest right crematorium on the west coast um but i didn't know that there was like this sharp jump in popularity because compare that to 1968 only 4% of bodies were being cremated oh now cremation was a less expensive alternative to a traditional embalming and burial and Jerry and David Sconce saw dollar signs in the growth of this cremation demand. Okay. Jerry and David sought to start their own cre- cremation service that went beyond just cremating the bodies that came specifically to Lamb's funeral home. They would employ their services to other funeral homes as well that didn't have a crematorium. A crematorium. David dropped out of embalming school to focus on his new business endeavor. Now, David had dreams of cornering the cremation market, not just in... Sorry. <laughs> it just sounds so gruesome. <laughs> not just in Los Angeles, but in all of Southern California. David suggested that they offered customers a $55 fee to pick up the body and cremate it. But how would that turn a profit in their crematorium if they only had two ovens? That's like... Over, like just over $100 a day. Uh, even if they were cremating all day long. Wait, sorry. What, you can only do two bodies a day? They're, no, if they were just doing two, because they only have two ovens in their crematorium. So they could only do two bodies at a time. Yes, they could only do two bodies at a time. And David was proposing that they charge $55 for the pickup and cremation fee. Oh, that's so cheap. Exactly. And his parents were like, there's no way that'll turn a profit. Even if they were cremating bodies all day long, it still wouldn't turn much of a profit, especially since they would have to hire extra help in that Picking up the bodies. Yes. And stuff, yeah. So David said, what if we burned multiple bodies at once? 
He suggested stuffing the ovens with five to six bodies at a time. Now, <laughs> this is obviously not legal or ethical. Okay. I'm going to ask a question that's going to, you're going to be mad at me. What? But why? Just Does because he, people want their, their ashes that are particularly their person's. <laughs> yes, Desi. Okay. When you, when you, when you pay for your loved one to be cremated, you want their ashes. Okay. But that is just an emotional response. You really don't know whose ashes is. <laughs> I'm serious. You, like do you, you don't have any guarantee right now that it is. Like, is it against the law? It is against the law. Okay. Well, and it's that's also, different. it's also highly unethical. Okay. It's like you are paying for a service. This is your loved one. You're grieving. Right. You want to sprinkle your. I'm just curious how they collect the ashes. And isn't there other people's ashes left over from the last no, time? No, they're cleaned out. Oh, okay. The ovens are cleaned out. That it seems just, really like a hard job. Look. They're professionals. They went to embalming school. Okay. They went to crematorium school. I, you know, I, I, I assume those are my cat's ashes. Sitting. Do you know what? I also have pet ashes, and I, I'm just par- partially, partially, kind of like, eh, I don't really know. <laughs> like, well, I assume it is too, but what is? It yeah. is highly illegal, to, even with cats. Uh, I would say it would is very unethical. Yeah. to be advertising a service. How much I paid like one hundred fifty dollars for her cremation. You did for oh Romy's. God. Well, d- look, she died at the ER. Like I had to. Like it was right. to get her. Like the, I'm sure they jack up the prices because yes. I was sobbing hysterically right. while I was there. Yeah, and uh, we all know that funeral home costs they jack up the prices too. Even though right. like products they have are wholesale wholesale coffins or whatever like right or they get you with the extras because you're emotional yeah it's the same thing with weddings it's like wedding shit costs a ton more money than regular shit does like this is where they get you i mean at that point i was willing to pay money like i didn't care if i went flat broke right if you know whatever it costs like i was devastated so like i paid 150 bucks to get her cremated um now David suggested, what if we burn multiple bodies at once? (laughs) When his mother said that family members would be getting back an assortment of mixed ashes, David responded, what difference does it make? They're dead. (laughs) That's evil. I'll let just keep going with the story. Desi, that's (laughs) fucking evil. I just don't have that attachment to dead bodies. I'm sorry. (laughs) But if you're paying for a service... I guess, I mean... If I mean, you, all capitalistic endeavors are evil. <laughs> if you're, if I'm paying for a service to have my loved one cremated, and I got back some someone's aunt, look, if I was running a crematorium, I would do it by the law and by the book. But I'm not surprised that people fudge it. Oh, that's horrific. <laughs> that's honestly horrific. It's so like I'm gonna. I'm so upset thinking about this. Like it makes no. It genuinely makes me really upset thinking that people would do this when people are grieving. It's like, you know what? I'm not a religious person. Uh, personally, I think I would want to be cremated, like, I and you know, whatever. But, like, I think, like, people do, there are people who do have like emotional attachments to whether or not the body is buried or whether or not the body is cremated. And right. like, you have to respect that. If someone's going in thinking, well, if you're believing, in that business. Absolutely. Like, yeah. even if you don't personally believe it, right. to deceive somebody like that is evil. Like, I think it's fucking evil. Now, 
When his, uh, sorry, David set off assembling a crew of guys to help transport and cremate the bodies. His stipulation for hiring was that these guys not narc out his illegal and immoral operation. So he's just like assembling a crew of people he knows won't be like, hey, this is wrong. So he told his parents and they were like, no, but now he's still doing it undercover. No, his parents said it was cool. Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, I thought they told him they couldn't. No, his mom was like, well, how would that work? Oh, I see. All his mom did was say like, wait a minute, they'd be getting back mixed ashes. So she just commented on what would happen. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Because that's just not how it's done. And I mean, but they could get fined as a business if this was uh, like something worse. Yeah, yeah. It's very illegal. Now, David, he assembles this crew of guys he knows to work for him who aren't going to narc him out. The team actually made a game of how many bodies they could stuff into a single oven. <gasps> David's employee, John Polarana, once fit 15 bodies inside. Yikes. The crew was not gentle with its handling of the bodies either. Now, these people were like, oh, $55, I'm sorry. <laughs> Doesn't that seem like really cheap? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've only had one cremation experience, and I thought it was way more expensive than $55. Like, that's like, that's like, that's like a del- DoorDash delivery. <laughs> like, well, this is also 1982. I know, but still, like, even with inflation, that's still only a few hundred dollars, probably. Like, look, to look, pick man. up the body and <laughs> just seems like. Look, they were offering a hell of a deal. They were like, this is the way we do it at the sconces slash lamb funeral home. Right. We're inexpensive. Okay. Now, the crew was not gentle with its handling of the bodies. These bodies were treated with the same care as sacks of grain being stuffed into a container. I mean, I'm sure they were not treated well. They were not respecting the dead. Uh, and look, like I said before, like some people don't have any attachment to the body after it's dead. Right. But there are people, maybe religious people, maybe people who aren't religious, but they absolutely do care about preserving the sanctity of the body. They don't want the body. Right. Like but you, they also took a $55 deal. Desi, I can't believe... I was like in, almost in tears reading this story. I was so upset doing this. I'm just saying I would not have gone to this place probably. I'm not blaming the victims necessarily, but you have to be suspect Well, you're going to feel really bad when you find out what else they were doing to the bodies. I already feel bad for the people who care, but come on. Now... After the bodies were cremated, the remains were spread out and sorted through, removing any chunks of bone that were left, and then the bone chunks were pulverized and returned to the large large drums of remains in storage. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> this next part is just so fucking foul and perverse and disgusting. Okay. So they had these huge drums of assorted cremains that they split up, basically, and dole out. 15 containers, basically. It, yeah. Or, or whatever, however many No, bodies. not even. Just they have like a big like storage of... That they would... That, that's where they would go to to fill up the individual containers or whatever. Yes. Uh-huh. Now, they would take from this big storage can, storage drum, they would just take an empty coffee can and scoop up some remains and then package it. Like they'd weigh it out. Okay. And package it. So you don't know how many different bodies are in this it coffee can. It was this can. giant. A giant storage drum full of cremains. 
For the female cadavers, they weighed the cremains at 3.5 pounds, and the remains of the male cadavers were weighed at 5 to 7 pounds. David's crew was sloppy, to say the least. One time, John, the guy who worked for him, accidentally cremated a body that had been scheduled to be buried. (laughs) So... So David put a totally different body inside the coffin. What? <laughs> he just had it sealed. Like, you can't open that. Did you ever, have you ever seen cremains? Yes, I have my cat's cremains. No, did you look at them? Yes, I did. Really? We, the person I know who got cremated, <laughs> she had a husband who was even more uh, non-caring about this stuff than me. And we went to like dump them by Heart's Desire Beach in Marin County because yeah. that was like her favorite beach. So everyone was like very hippie and spiritual. So I, I, of course I went along and uh, they were like going to do this ceremony or whatever. And he took the cremains out and then just dumped them on the ground like right in front of everyone and everyone was like, <gasps> like, because he was just like, okay, here we are, dump. And they wanted to do this whole like whatever spiritual thing and then one of the other people grabbed some of the cremains and put them in her pocket so we had to go back and do like another ceremony but it was like a comedy of like errors because it was just like why would we ever do anything with him he was like just like a tech person do you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean he was just a tech person he was like that kind of brain person oh you don't mean like his job like well, he was a computer person, but the, I'm just saying he had that, like, what is it, right brain? I thought you were saying, like, whatever. He wasn't a king. He was just a tech person. No, 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 no. He was just, like, he was just, like, that kind of brain. So like, atheist. So, like, well, not even atheist. Just, like, okay, we are here now. Let's dump the remains. <laughs> like, there was nothing, like, romantic or, like, like, emotional about him at all. Right. He was just that type of person, like who was like very tech. And like, if I die before you, you better do the most flowery, <laughs> hippy-dippy shit for my remains. I, I'm dead ass. I want everyone who is listening to this, if I, if you guys outlive me, I want everyone to hold Desi to account. I want the absolutely most hippy-dippy, honoring my Marin County roots bullshit. I want fucking, I want everyone to be braless. <laughs> That's what I want. Okay. Now, uh, they were very sloppy. So like I said before, they put a totally different body. I mean, that is slapstick. (sighs) That is absurd. Another time, cremains were returned to a family before their loved one had even been burned. So, I mean, not that it would have mattered anyway. No. Because you're getting a mixed bag. But that is, there's something gruesome about that. That she's still, or they're still there. They're still intact. Like, they're not even, they haven't even been. Like, they're not even doing this in a way, (laughs) like a corrupt way properly. (laughs) They're sloppy. Yeah, they don't have, like, a system, even, like, a bad one. Uh, During the first year of David's operation, the Lamb Funeral Home went from cremating 194 bodies a year to 1,675 bodies a year. Wow. In 1983, that number doubled, and it would continue to double every year. So this is like a very... And they still had the two ovens. I'm sorry. (laughs) They still just have these two ovens in Altadena. But they're saying like, oh, we have a big facility, whatever. Like this is... I mean, like... No one's asking questions. No, and by 1985, David cremated... 8,173 bodies in a year. 
Jesus. Like they had a lot of business. They were very popular. I mean. And people trusted them because the Lamb Funeral Home had this reputation. Had this reputation. So it's like, that's probably why the $55 was like, wow. The, like, They're not making money on this. They make money on the other stuff. Like maybe like, they do you were, know what I mean? Like the, the lambs, the lamb family was in such good standing with the community. Right. In Pasadena. But not the scone family. <laughs> It's not scone. Scone. It's sconce. Sorry. I just want to clarify that I would never do this. I know, Desi. (laughs) You're going to get so much hate mail now. Uh, The rate, this was a rate of about 22 bodies a day every day. Now the ovens were- Wait, how many bodies a day? Uh, it said 22 bodies a day. Oh, 22 a day. Okay. The ovens were burning up to 18 hours a day. Oh, my God. The Lamb Funeral Home was servicing all of Southern California at this point. And David was making a ton of money doing it. Not only was David returning mixed ashes back to family members, he was also participating in another disgusting scheme. Oh, boy. Yanking gold teeth out of the cadaver's okay. heads. <laughs> With pliers before they were cremated. Okay. This is like Nazi shit. I was going to say, this is literally what the Nazis used to do. Yeah. Is they would take the jewelry and the gold teeth, they would yank gold teeth out of... Like, I could understand, like, shit, we're overwhelmed, and you start doing shit like burning too many bodies together, but to start off with the plan to do that... These people are not good people. No. He even kept a collection of gold teeth in empty soda cans, in styrofoam cups, and in coffee cans, just hanging around. How 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 awful do you have to be to be able to pull teeth out? Just like beyond, do you know what I mean? Like that seems. If like you're a, not a dentist, to to do yeah, well yeah, to like pull with pliers a tooth out of a mouth seems like a really horrific thing to go through. Yeah. Now, because of rigor mortis. Oh boy. These jaws were not easy to pry open. Ugh, so that makes it worse. <laughs> Absolutely. David would usually use a screwdriver to pry open the mouths, but sometimes he had a tough time. A jaw was real snapshot. So one of his employees, a guy named David Edwards, watched David Sconce pry open a jaw with a crowbar. Oh my god. And he said he could hear from the other room the pop. Ugh. And the crack. If the workers noticed a gold tooth before David did, they would alert him by drawing a happy face on the sheet that the bodies were draped in so he would know to check for it. I mean, not that there's any excuse, but this can't be very much money. <laughs> like, uh, is it? I'm going to tell you how much okay. money he was making. Uh, keep in mind, they had a lot of bodies. They were ser- yeah. servicing and some, and a lot of these were elderly uh, clients who were deceased that had several gold fillings. Okay. In their mouth. David made no secret around the funeral home and to his employers and even to his parents that he was stealing gold teeth from the cadavers as he would often walk around shaking his teeth-filled cup and whistling. Oh, my God. His mother, Lorianne, would even ask him how much gold he got that day. The Christian? Yes. (laughs) The good Christian woman. Oh, my God. According to David, he was making an extra five to six thousand dollars a month extracting gold teeth. Really? He would go to this one pawn shop. I was gonna say, who's buying these and not suspicious? Like- well, I have no idea how they were like, sure, you got more gold fillings. Yeah. I 
I'm who just like, this, I'm in disbelief. Who is this pawn shop owner? Clearly not a great guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, there's more. Oh boy. David wasn't satisfied only making a profit off of extracting gold teeth. He figured he could get into the organ harvesting no. game. <laughs> no. He figured he could get into the organ harvesting game as well. Now, these bodies that were coming to them, they weren't fresh enough to harvest organs for transplant, but they were ripe enough for being donated to medical schools and science. Okay. Now, while it's illegal to buy and sell organs themselves, a fee could be charged for the harvesting. Okay. So to harvest these organs, you had to have like a special equipment to open the chest and take out the heart whatever, or whatever, yeah. take out the crack, open the skull, like to, so, so as to not damage it. Right. So he, basically David wasn't selling the organ. This was like a loophole that he found where okay. he could still make money off of these free organs. Oh my God. They were free organs yeah. to him. Um, now, so the recipients of these tissues and organs require documentation that they had been removed with consent yes. from the loved ones, of course. So the authority to cremate form that the clients of the funeral home signed before the body was cremated stipulated that the funeral home was allowed to remove tissues and pacemakers. And if the customers asked about what's this part about, we're allowed to remove tissues and pacemakers, Jerry Sconce told all the workers... Like he coached all of them to tell them that in the event of the removal of a pacemaker, some tissue may be removed in the process. So they lied. Yes, they lied. <laughs> so people are basically signing these, most probably not even reading everything. Absolutely. And they, like David would actually, like one of the later forms or like the first form, like they capitalized this first part. So it was like you could kind of read this part, but then they would make this fine print smaller and smaller, kind of. Yeah. Um, there were people who were signing this form whether or not their loved ones had a pacemaker. Right. So it didn't matter because it said tissues and pacemaker. Yeah. So it's like they technically signed a way that we could take their tissues. Right. Like that was there. They just did these sort of sketchy language. Yes. Uh-huh. This was all basically for... Um, for the benefit or just just for the benefit of like being like see we have consent and did they do it for everybody yeah okay so david was able to find a loophole to sell these organs david hired a young japanese exchange student with a knowledge of the tissue harvesting business named joji george bristol he went by george He hired him to be the director of his operations, and he said that he would be a 50-50 partner with him in business. David, of course, omitted his other dealings in gold tooth harvesting and mass cremations. He's like, I'm starting this organ organ tissue business. Come on board. George worked for an eye bank in Orange County and knew how to properly remove organs. He was also experienced with record keeping and new buyers in the industry. David told him that his business was called the Coastal International Eye and Tissue Bank and that he was working on securing funds to open a new facility to harvest the organs because, as we know, he was basically just harvesting tissue and organs at the crematorium. Right. David then renamed the Pasadena Crematorium to Coastal Cremations Incorporated. 
1985, Lorianne officially bought the Lamb funeral home from her father. Lawrence Lamb was under the impression that the Pasadena crematorium, which had been in the family for decades, was only performing two cremations a day when when this Jesus. sale was made. Oh my god. He would Lawrence Lamb would not have approved of yes. what was going on and Lorianne kept all of this from her husband. Wait. I mean from her, her father. father. I'm okay. sorry, That's her okay. father. Yeah. I was Jerry like, Sconce was Jerry big Sconce. player in this. Okay. <laughs> Look, the whole Sconce family. The Sconce side of the family is the piece of shit. <laughs> and you know what? Lawrence knew from day one. He was like, I don't like this Jerry guy. Seriously. He and knew. then his spawn too. Well, except for Gary seems okay. Yeah, Gary, <laughs> Gary Sconce. Gary just disappeared. He did just disappear. He's like, oh, I don't want anything to do with this. And you'd think that Gary would be the bad one. <laughs> Hey, my dad's named Gary. Lorianne, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> however, was fundraising for the family's new tissue bank business. She explained to investors that her reasoning for opening the tissue bank was actually a tribute to her sister Linda, who had died in a plane crash. Many of the survivors survivors of this crash needed tissue for skin grafts, and this tissue bank was her way of honoring her sister. <gasps> Now, her sister actually did die in a plane crash, right. but this was a, just a bold-faced lie. Oh, my God. This organ tissue bank, quote-unquote, that they're opening was nothing more than a money-grabbing scheme yeah. to profit off of bodies that were already in their possession to be cremated. They're just like trying to make as much money off of each body as possible. Yeah. It's so sick. By the time the tissue bank business was up and running, David Sconce told his business partner, partner George, that he actually wouldn't be taking home 50% of the share anymore. He said the business would now be divided into thirds and that his parents would receive a third of the pie. Of the, t- uh, the tissue selling pie. Yes. Okay. On top of that, David wasn't paying George even that. So George was taking home considerably less money now than he had been making at his job at the place he was working before in Orange County. David began complaining to George about the competition in the cremation business, even though there really wasn't much. They had cornered the market in Southern California. But anyone, if he got a whiff of anyone doing any other cremation, David was insanely jealous about this. It's like... (laughs) You're already running a scam. Like, keep it low. Like, yeah. <laughs> why inflame anything? Well, that's not David's style. No. He likes to inflame not just the cadavers, yeah. but relations with people. David told George that he would like to stick plastic explosives inside one of the cadavers and send it to another crematorium so that when the body went in, into the oven, it would explode. Jesus. <laughs> Is that illegal? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That is, this guy is insane. <laughs> Day, and George was like, uh, what? <laughs> Can you imagine being around someone like that? Like, Dude. I can't even, I think it takes a while to realize someone is that out there. Cause you're like, that can't be, I must have misunderstood. <laughs> like, right? Like, right. Like you think like, ha huh, you have to be joking, right? Yeah. David was not only heard. Uh, threatening other crematoriums. Oh my God. But his own employees. How has this not been a Coen Brothers movie yet? <laughs> it's going to get better. Okay. During an argument where George threatened to quit, David flew into a rage and put his hands around his neck. Wow. Screaming, I'll kill you if you quit. <laughs> that seems pretty direct. George began carrying a gun on him after that. Oh man. 
After an argument with his employee, Lisa, he told another employee, Jim, that, quote, one of these days she's going to wind up dead. Though Lisa quit working at David's Tissue Bank after just a few weeks, she would still get into arguments with him over the phone about money, like about payment. George said that he heard David tell her into the phone, for $500, I can have you shot. For $1,000, I can have you killed. And then I'll burn up the parts so no one will know what happened to you. Wait, he would pay $500 just to have her shot. <laughs> but not die. <laughs> I wondered that too. Like, what's the difference? Like, why would you, like, I'll kill, shoot you in the knee so you won't die. It's like, you might as well just go for it. That's what I'm saying. What's the difference? Yeah. Just shoot a little higher or lower, whatever. That's so insane. Uh, David then slammed the phone down and said, I'll kill anyone who threatens me or my family. Jeez. Like he cares about his family. <laughs> But George was chilled to his core when David complained about his own grandparents interfering with his business. Oh, boy. But it wasn't just complaints. David asked George to help him in procuring a poison that would be undetectable in a medical examiner's report. Please tell me George doesn't go along with this. Uh, George... Like David said he wanted to use it on his grandparents. And George was horrified at David's request, but he was terrified of him. He just tried to brush him off, but David kept hounding him about getting him this poison. Jesus. And to make matters worse, David Sconce was driving around a white Corvette with a vanity license plate. (laughs) That said. That said, (laughs) I space BRN space for you. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> I told you he was evil. This guy is evil. This is pure evil. But George, what are you doing? Well, David would often balance his hot temper and threatening statements with extreme acts of generosity. Okay. Much like an abusive partner. Right. You know, you're caught in this cycle. Okay. So David really had a way of being like, see, I'm a generous boss. I've given all right. sorts of stuff. He actually handed a set of keys to a matching white Corvette to George and was like, here's your new car. So they had matching white Corvettes. Now how about that poison? (laughs) (laughs) George was thankful that his partner had gifted him with such a nice car, even though he had no idea that the vehicle was stolen. (laughs) (laughs) One of David's employees went to a car dealership and just walked off with it. Just drove, just let them. How do these people exist this way? Like, (laughs) we're we're all so scared of ever getting in trouble or stealing or anything. And they're just like doing whatever the fuck they want. Like, it's wild. David also often treated his other employees to lunch and tickets to Kings games. David was a huge LA Kings fan, he loved hockey. After David's employee, David Edwards, was stabbed in the side, David... I'm sorry. Okay. One of David's employees, a guy named David Edwards, he okay. was stabbed. Okay. David Sconce can, was like, oh, I'm going to continue to pay you while you recover from this injury. Right. So again, another like extreme act. What a great Really boss, nice, yeah. generous boss. And while David Edwards was recovering, David Sconce hired Edwards' roommate, another ex-football player named Andre Augustine, to pick up his work duties at the crematorium. Now, one night at a Kings game, 
David said to their mutual friend, Dan Galambos, all three of these guys are ex-football players, by the way. And Dan Galambos. <laughs> <laughs> he told their mutual friend, if you can find out who stabbed David and he wants to get rid of him, I can burn the body and no one will ever know. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> He's wielding this body burning power. <laughs> I got the oven. I got the oven. Just get rid of the evidence. <laughs> Give it off to some family. <laughs> Don't even. Yeah. They'll never know. It's the Jesus. perfect crime. He should never have an oven at his disposal. <laughs> now, the guys, these ex-football players who were his friends and employees, they referred to David as Captain Cremator. Okay. And, but they also referred to him as Little Hitler. And that's because of how scary he was when he would order them around the crematorium. And although David was friends with all these guys, he was disgusting in the way that he referred to them. These these were black men, and he would refer to them with racial slurs when they weren't around. Right. David Sconce took advantage of his friend's large stature as often as he used them as muscle, like like as often as possible, he would often use them as muscle. Right. Sort of like, I'm going to use these guys who are my friends to intimidate people. Because they're all big ex-football players. Yeah. Beefy. They're beefy guys. <laughs> when a neighbor's tree was hanging over his swimming pool, David had the boys cut it down with a chainsaw. Like, just go, like, cut, without get, asking. Yeah, without yeah. asking. Just cut down a neighbor's tree because the tree was annoying him. It was hanging over his swimming oh pool. Oh, my God. The tree ended up falling down into the pool and took out, took down a power line with it. Oh, shit. Causing a neighborhood power outage. Well, because cutting down trees is actually a skill. <laughs> <laughs> you can't yeah. just take a chainsaw <laughs> to it. <laughs> Now, David, of course, was also a former college football player, but he would take it a step further and tell people that he actually played for the Seahawks. Not true, by the way. His own athletic abilities were very important to him, though. He was like, I want people to know that I'm very strong and just as beefy as my friends. Oh, my God. He took great pride in how well he could load bodies into the ovens. Like, this was like a... A, a sign of athleticism to him yeah. of how well he could chuck these cadavers in. Ugh. He would refer to the small, older bodies as one-handers. Oh my god! He'd be like, "This one's a one-hander," and chuck it in. This is like my least favorite type of person. <laughs> <laughs> now, whispers about the Lamb Funeral Home's unethical and illegal practices of piling bodies into the crematorium ovens began to travel in the funeral home circle. Now, how did this happen? Ex-employees or just, just the numbers whispers. didn't make sense? Well, yeah. it was the numbers that didn't make sense. Like, how are they doing? How are they doing this so inexpensively and so many bodies? Right. How are they providing so many services? Why is the turnaround so high? Right. Uh, these whispers started back in 1984. That year, a mortician at another funeral home, a guy named Ron Hast approached Lorianne Lamb and threatened to expose the Lamb Funeral Home's operation in a funeral home industry newsletter. Ooh. I didn't even know they had their own newsletters. I would love to get that. Me too. <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to do a fucking expose on you. Dude. She's like, she's like, in the LA Times? No, in the fucking... <laughs> 
Southern California Funeral Home <laughs> Association. <Gazette>. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Lorianne was like, oh, she was terrified. I mean, never warn someone about your expose. <laughs> right. David Sconce was furious that anyone would upset his mother like this. He was very, he loved, like I said before, he would fucking kill for his family. David approached David Edwards. I'm just going to refer to him as Edwards now. Okay. And he told him that this Ron Hast guy was trying to ruin his family's business. Okay. And if he succeeded, then everyone would be out of a job. David offered Edwards $800 to beat him up and also beat up Ron's friend, Stephen Nims. Just four. Well, they lived together. Okay. So he's like, you beat up his friend too. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, just. <laughs> and Jesus. David Edwards agreed. Edwards brought along his roommate, Andre Augustine, for the job. So one night, the two men knocked on the door of the Hollywood Hills home where Ron and Stephen lived together. Stephen answered, and I guess the guys chickened out because they said they were looking for odd jobs. And when Stephen said they didn't have any jobs, they just left. Edwards and Andre decided that they wanted to bring along extra reinforcements to actually beat them up and complete this job. So they called upon Dan Galambos. The three of them would meet up at their apartment and hatch a plan with Galambos. Their plan was to pose as cops. They were going to buy a fake badge at a toy store. But they already went to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know. <laughs> Wait, is, is this cup? Is, are they a couple, the two guys? I think so. But they're not saying it. I but think they live so. together? Okay. They live together. Uh, maybe that's why he's like, and beat up his fucking boyfriend, too. Yeah, and I feel like that is like, and I'm going to re- do it in the news. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Fuck. <laughs> um, so, the, 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 uh, so they were going to get this toy badge from oh the toy God. store. From fucking KB this Toys. This is like Tonya Harding level <laughs> thugs or something. Um... They, uh, so, so they got the fake badge and before they left their apartment, Edwards found a squirt bottle and he said, I'm going to use this as a fake flashlight. What? <laughs> what the hell? So he grabbed, Why would you even need that? Because they're cops. Oh yeah. Can I get my flashlight? Yeah. <laughs> the it's number like, one cop costume detail. <laughs> so he filled the, he filled the squirt bottle with ammonia, vinegar, jalapeno juice, and then he just started pouring other random stuff he found in his kitchen in it. Oh, boy. Um, and I just imagine, like, I don't know what this squirt bottle looked like, but I just picture it like those ketchup and mustard bottles from right, diners. Right, because what would be, like, a flashlight-looking That's squirt bottle? That's what I'm yeah. it, like, this, like, cylindrical, but, like... Also, you have jalapeno juice. <laughs> well, you have jalapenos. Like in the jar. Yeah, the in liquid. The, the liquid. Oh, my God, they're so dumb. So... Then they went over to Ron and Stephen's house. Dan Galumbos and David Edwards posed as the cops, and Andre Augustine hid in the bushes. The men knocked on the door, and Ron answered. They introduced themselves as police officers questioning the neighborhood about a hit and run. The ruse worked, and Ron and Stephen agreed to take the men out to the garage to show them the, their vehicle. But as soon as the unsuspecting Ron and Stephen stepped out the door, David Edwards yelled, Now! And Dan punched Ron in the <gasps> face, sending him falling to the floor. 
David Edwards squirted the liquid from the bottle he was carrying into Stephen's face. Then he punched him. (gasps) Edwards was about to spray Ron when Stephen Nims took off running. But just before he could get very far, Andre Augustine leapt out of the bushes and tackled him. (gasps) This was like a football. Yeah. This whole thing. In the end, David Sconce paid the three men $1,200 to split three ways for beating up Ron Hast and Stephen Nims. And the pair never threatened the Lamb funeral home again. No. Well, that's where we're going to stop part one. Okay. I'm riveted. (laughs) We have a lot more to get to. It's going to get weirder. There's going to be some more scandalous shit happening next week. I just really wanted Ron and Steven to foil these guys. Well, maybe they will next week. Okay, maybe they will. Maybe they will next week. I want to, you know what? I I wanted them to be like, you guys were the guys who came last week. (laughs) Uh, Didn't you come last week? Is that a ketchup bottle in your hand? What were they saying that they were? Oh, they were looking for uh, work or something? Yeah, that they were just. Yeah, two yeah, yeah. Two kids. They were saying they were two college kids looking for work. (sighs) Because these are all guys in their 20s. Yeah, so they're like older they're, but than they're college, ye- but, but they're it's passable. Young. Yeah, they're young-looking guys. Oh my god! <laughs> Look, I can't believe this hasn't been turned into a movie yet. How it's is shocking. it not? How has it not? Because it's like I mean I don't know what's coming, but so far it's like disturbing. But there isn't any. Do you know what I mean? Like it's sort of just no, comically. Just trust me. This case should be a movie. Okay, because it's so absurd. Okay, good. It's fucking absurd. I'm obsessed with Laurie Ann, too. Like, oh, what yeah. is her deal? Well, I just we, I can't. We need Allison Janney to play her. Something. Because uh, she's, like, crazy. Like, how does she let this happen? <laughs> well, she wants it. She's fine with it happening. I, it's, that's shocking to me, though. She has no, like... It's all Jerry's fault. It's all Jerry Sconce's fault. <laughs> Jerry he, Sconce. he corrupted her. He corrupted he really this did. nice Christian girl. And the, her little parents are just, like whatever funeral home directors who are like oh we have a good reputation yes this has been a business a good business like in good standing with the community since 1929 and by the 80s the time the 80s rolled around how many years 60 years in business and Lorianne just just ruined it for bad dick probably (laughs) right we don't know the state of Jerry Sconce's dick probably not that good there's no way it's good dick it's bad dick no there's no way it's good okay well We'll see you guys next Tuesday for the second part. For part two. (sighs) But we will see you Friday also for a mini episode. Please write into the show if you or someone you know is a mortician and you have good mortician stories. I feel like we had someone write in once who did work as in a mortuary. mortuary? Mortuary. Mortuary. I can't remember. No, yeah. it's a mortuary. Uh, but maybe she'll rewrite in. I don't think she told us a story about it, but she was like, as an aside... I have a memory of that because I was like, of course we have a person who listens I, to the show who works I there. I would love to hear fun facts. I would love to hear... Any information would any be interesting. Any interesting information. I would love to hear an interesting story. Yeah. Okay. Sounds cool. great. Okay. Bye. Bye.